In a world where we're constantly told that men are from Mars and women are from Venus and never shall the two understand each other, I know there's another way. This is what happens when Venus and Mars unite. Tune in for conversations about masculine and feminine embodiment in ourselves and in the world around us, relationships, marriage, parenthood, love, purpose, dating, and everything in between. This is the Venus and Mars podcast, and I'm your host, Anya Shack. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Venus and Mars podcast. But this one is special. This is our first live episode. Excited to be here with Evelyn Cedeno. She is a wonderful woman that has so much insight to share with all of us. And she is a leader in our community in Dallas here. She's a leader in the dance world. She's a nurse by trade. And one of the most beautiful things is that she's a mom of three boys. So she has a really unique perspective that I really would love everyone to hear around conditional versus unconditional love. This is something that we've been talking about, the two of us, and I'm really excited to get into it. But first, I'll say hello. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Of course. So the title of this episode is I Love You Conditionally. (laughs) (laughs) And where this all started is we were sitting at a dinner. There was about 20 people, and we ran a bit of a social experiment where we asked the table, what is your definition of love? Now, people went crazy. Someone was like, where's the tequila? I saw legs trying to leave the table. Then I just saw everyone twerking and their bodies freaking out. So it just became clear that, you know, we got a, we got a little problem with love. We don't really know what it is in the grand scheme of things. And one of the biggest things that we heard was that so many people at the table were just convinced that love equals sacrifice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you have a completely different perspective on this based on your life, based on your motherhood, based on the experiences you've had in your relationships. And I would just love to throw the mic over to you and just have you introduce yourself and also just speak around that moment. How did it feel for you? So more specifically the dinner? Yeah. So I remember listening to everyone's answer and then thinking in my head, well, everyone's going to have different answers because it's based upon all of our experiences. And as I was listening, I was hearing different stages of myself at different parts of my life. Mm. And so um, one person talked about having to sacrifice everything if needed uh, for that person. And I was like, oh, no, ouch, (laughs) that hurts because I know what that's like. Mm. And I've come past that to know that that's not good for me. And other people, just all their different answers, they were all super different, but for me, yeah, I don't even really remember what my answer was at the time. I think you were just like, I don't really want to answer. <laughs> I was like, oh, wow, like this is going to be super different because I have love for my children. I have love for Josue and my husband, for our community. And then like love for myself, which I think that was something that I was saying, like the love for myself trumps everyone else. Not some people may think that's selfish, but if I don't love myself, then I really can't love anyone else, including my children. And Mm. I've seen that happen in my life where I wasn't happy with me and it just came out all wrong. Even when I tried to love other people, it was hurting them. It wasn't quite right. It was not genuine. So I knew and over time at this age of 41 that that's where I am, that like I know that if I'm really truly loving and respecting myself, then it just overflows to other people around me. Love that. You know, I had a woman reach out to me today and she said something like, because I was speaking on sacrifice on my social and I just was getting perspectives. And it turns out that 94% of the people I polled were taught as kids that love equals sacrifice. Only 
6% weren't. So it goes to show we got some work to do. And I'm curious, why do you think this idea of unconditional love is permeating still and where that came from? And like, what do you think about the word unconditional? I think some of it comes from religious beliefs Hmm. about, you know, loving and honoring your parents regardless. And then also how God loves you unconditionally. So this type of like great love is unconditional. And then you hear people write about it, their quotes about Mm, it. And so we're being conditioned to say like, hey, if I really love you, no matter what you do, I will love you. Yeah. And I'll continue to love you. And it's super dangerous. It's dangerous. This woman reached out and she said something like, I'm so privileged to sacrifice all the things I've sacrificed for my kids. And I was like, what if that wasn't required? What if your kids could be better off without that? So I love that. I love starting here, but I'd love to ask you kind of what defines unconditional for you versus conditional? Like, how do you separate those two? When I think of the concept itself, and I'm just speaking for myself, if I love someone conditionally, there is some kind of unequal power there. Not just because now I've told you I love you unconditionally. Now I have to act that way because I've said it (laughs) and I try to be a person of my word, right? (laughs) Yes. So it puts me in like a kind of a negative situation. Yeah. And then uh, the expectations are no matter what they do, that I will continue to love them. And when it comes to being a mother, I feel like this can be super hurtful to my child Mm. and any partner they have in the future. Mm. So I think going through a divorce and having relationships with different people and different parts of my life, like I found that loving people unconditionally was hurtful to me because then I would continue to love them. I put myself in situations that were like dangerous for me because I thought that's what I was supposed to do. Mm. So then over time, as I evolved, I found that whether I really love my kids or not unconditionally, because I don't really see myself not loving them, for them to know that is also dangerous Mm. because I'm the first example of a woman's love that they're going to feel and experience and they're three boys. Yeah. So I didn't want them to grow up thinking that every woman in their life, if they're going to really love them, should love them conditionally, no matter what type of man they were. Unconditionally. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And and so I was like, that is not the type of men that I want to grow up, not in this world. Mm. And that's for any woman that decides to be with them. But also for them to know. uh, (laughs) So I shared our conversation and this all started on our road trip up to Oklahoma. We're talking in the car. And um, when we got back, picked up our kids and we're talking to them. I was like, hey, you know, we talked about you guys a lot to our friends. And then I told them about the unconditional, conditional love conversation. And um, so my 10-year-old, when I told him, I said, well, I told them that I don't love you guys unconditionally. And he goes, what? You told people that? (laughs) And I was like, yes. And so I think because he was the youngest, he was like kind of conflicted around this, even though they've heard it before. But I guess they didn't hear me tell other people. (laughs) Um, So my 16 year old was trying to like understand it more. Mm. And then my 10 year old, my 13 year old was just listening. And um, what I explained to them was that over time, we're always changing. I'm changing, you're changing. They're going to grow up to be different men than you are right now as children Mm. and teenagers. Um, So 
if you change into a different type of person, now I will accept many different forms of them. Yeah. But if they turned into a person that was hurtful to me or each other or other people, mm. I don't know if I would continue to love you the same way I love mm. you now. And so my six-year-old kind of understood that. My 10-year-old, he only understood it when I said, if I was a very bad mother to you, I wouldn't want you to love me mm. unconditionally. And he said, oh, okay. <sighs> and I said, because I, like, he, like, wants to cuddle all the time. He mm. wants us to go kind of talk before bed. So I know he loves me a lot. But I said, if I didn't do those things for you, with you, if I didn't respect you, if I hurt you all the time, um, didn't give you things that you need to be successful, you know, in life or food, you know, things like that, that I, a mother um, hopefully could give to their child. And I just went out, danced all the time and drank or, you know, whatever, <laughs> yeah. you know. But I just didn't love him in the way that he needed to be. I asked him, like, would you still love me unconditionally? And so then he thought a moment and they said, okay, I see. Wow, this is very healing. I almost feel like you need to say that again for especially <laughs> for like all the people whose parents didn't weren't able to give them what they needed. Mm-hmm. Of course, they loved them, but they weren't mm-hmm. able to give them what they needed and still demanded respect, appreciation, acknowledgement, being there, demanded so much of them in spite of all of that. And so it's just beautiful. I almost want to hear you say it again. <laughs> like on the other side of that, I love my parents as a child. Yes. I love my parents kind of unconditionally. <laughs> my father's passed away now, but growing up, it was like very difficult. And, yeah. you know, I feel like a lot of my parenting is now how I wish they were. I, as a result of being raised in a way that wasn't perfect, um, I think I am how I am now. And I appreciate that. Yeah. So even in that, it wasn't perfect. Yeah. You still really want to just love your parents. And I think that's like a natural thing to do, a good thing to do. And then at some point, it takes a strong personality to come away from that and know like that may not may or may not be good for me, that environment. Sure. And so keeping your distance from them. It sounds like it's just about taking ownership, mm-hmm. taking ownership for how you want your life to be. Because I think that when people get a little worried about the term self, self-sacrifice, self like, well, yeah, like sacrifice is good. I think they're not recognizing the level of sacrifice that happens subconsciously as children and how that translates. So I've been doing a lot of thinking about this around how, for example, if I really wanted to paint, right, or if I really was drawing a lot and my parental figure at the time was like, telling me, oh, this is ridiculous. This is not necessary. You don't need to be doing this. This isn't important. So I decided to shut that down because I want love. So then I decided that there are certain things about myself that I shouldn't do or I shouldn't be or I shouldn't experience because that's not important for partnership, love, to be the wife that I want to be or that my parents think I should be. So I think that is so subconscious until it becomes conscious that A lot of parents don't, I'm noticing, have eliminated a lot of themselves without even realizing it because they feel so called to to sacrifice. Yeah. You know? And and I've been there. And I think, you know, if we could learn from all the mistakes that we've done and then we're on the right path. Yeah. And maybe learn from mistakes that other people have done. Yeah. Because life is too short to make everyone on our own. Yeah. Um, When I was 
raising my children in my first marriage, I gave so much of myself up. Mm. I used to dress up. I used to go out. I used to do things I liked. I had hobbies. I would read books because I liked to. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and all of that was like, you know, put under the rug or saved for later because I was busy raising children yeah. and I wouldn't take time for myself. And so this has so many different layers of it because we, like personally as a mother, I loved doing it. So I was happy to do of it course. until I saw that I lost some of me. Yeah. And then only after my divorce, where I um, was no longer spending time with my kids and my husband, and there was really no time left for me, that I had this little time just for me because yeah. my husband wasn't there and yep. my kids would go with their biological father. So um, <laughs> I was like, well, what do I do? And yeah. that was like traumatizing enough. And then I found dance. Mm. And then I always loved to dance growing up. And then I stopped for 12 years because my husband at the time didn't dance. Yeah. I started writing again. I started reading again. Things that I always loved to do, but I lost. Um, and I felt like if I took that time for myself or even like went shopping for myself or got my hair done, whatever yes. it was, I felt like I was somehow stealing from my children. Oh, God. Like the time and... So I felt like that was the right thing to do. Like in my head, I was brainwashed that that's what I'm supposed to do. That's what is expected of me, but also what I love doing. Um, so I was sacrificing things happily. Yes. At the time. But then when everything fell apart, like a lot of reality set in. Absolutely. Um, I realized the husband that I thought would love me forever. Even if like things were bad, I thought we were going to stay together. Um, that's a whole nother conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Um, that I realized like no one really loves you unconditionally. Mm. Um, and so I kind of reevaluated what I thought about love and also parenting, mm. how I was going to do that alone, no longer with like a secure partner. Yeah. So it just like gave me time to really think for yeah. myself again. Yeah. It's almost like you're living in this veil of what is supposed to be and you're you you're in it so you can't see outside of it so you're like this is it this is great i'm a mom and i think a lot of people are living in that and i i think the most important thing really is your kids will never listen to what they tell you they're only gonna model what you show them yeah so you having that big reckoning is just like a game changer hopefully for them you <laughs> so, know yeah i, I know for me I don't feel guilty about taking time for myself anymore. Yeah. Even though my heartstrings pull toward my children, like I miss them when I, they're not with me. Yeah. Um, but I'm such a better mom now and better person now than I was before. Yeah. And I think when I grew up, I didn't know my parents. I sometimes feel like I still don't know my parents. I hear that. And one of my goals was that my children knew me, um, like really who I am despite all the things that are not perfect about me. Yep. Um, so we would play games and <laughs> sometimes we'd go on these long car rides and I'd be like, hey, so like if I gave you a scenario, would you be able to guess what I would do in it? <laughs> <You know? laughs> and uh, my my six-year-old was like, yeah, I could probably guess what you would do. <laughs> like, because you, you we're very open with each other. Yeah. Um, and the other kids, all the other two younger ones as well, was like, yeah, I could probably guess like some things you do because I know I'm silly. They can know I can be mean. They can know I be I could be funny in like different situations. So they'd um, and we'd play that game. 
Totally. I think that for me, that's my thing. Like if I wasn't here tomorrow, they'd be like, oh, I know my mom. And as they imagine me throughout the rest of their lives, they would know what I would say to them. They know how I would be with them, even though if I wasn't there. For me, it sounds like you're not scared of your kids as humans, as no. separate people. And I find that a lot of parents, like this happened to me, this happens to a lot of parents. Of course, we're going to get emotional <laughs> as per usual. But like, they treat their kids a little bit like these little things that need to be molded and just like without their own ideas, their own vision, their own personalities. Like and, dogs. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just, it's the opposite of how you should treat your kids, um, I think. And so it's so beautiful to me that you talk to them like real adults mm-hmm. that have their own opinions, their own vision, their own everything. And um, it's a cultural thing too. And I, and I recognize that. And listen, until the last 20, 30 years, most people were just surviving. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> Especially Absolutely. out of the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, our families are immigrants. So yeah, it makes sense. And I am so grateful for my parents having to gone through everything they did to give us the life that yep. we have now. Yep. And that's why I'm like super forgiving to everything yeah. that was that I went through. Yeah. And and why I love and respect them so much. Yeah. I love that. I feel that. I've been that's been a huge journey for me too to come to that place. It's honestly why I'm back here in Dallas to have that like big resolution and it's it's happening like in real time now and it's really beautiful to be able to say that because when you take ownership, then there's nothing to blame. It's, mm-hmm. it's just, it's okay. It's actually a part of your journey. It's actually what makes you you. Yeah. I love that. Well, okay. So I love talking about kiddos. So how do you think your boys kind of behave and think based on the way that you have been kind of raising them in this way? You know, I think their perception of a woman mm. is going to be very interesting because of how I interact with them. And so I'm wondering what their expectations are going to be like as they get older. Sure. You know, I think they like talking a lot. So Josue also, we love asking riddles. Yeah. Just to keep engaging each other. And yes. so we ask questions, we ask riddles. Um, we used to make up riddles yeah. to see who can make up good ones. And so the con- the idea of just talking to get to know each other consistently throughout our lives is something I hope that they continue to carry on in the future. Because sometimes we're so disconnected from people and we don't know how to talk to each other anymore. Um, So I told recently my 16-year-old that I want him to work on his communication and how he just takes what he's thinking in here and how he shares that with the world. (laughs) Yep. Um, And at first, he kind of got mad at me. (laughs) And I was like, if you can communicate your thoughts to the world, there's nothing you can't do. Right. And um, he was talking about focusing on a career or this and that, what he wants to do when he grows up. And I said, you're going to do many things, not just one. So don't worry about this one thing. It's just the first. Yeah. Um, And then, but whatever it is, no matter what field you go into, you're going to need to know how to communicate, how to be respectful, know about culture, different people, men and women. Mm. So we use like a lot of different games and questions and conversations to make sure that they're learning those things that they don't learn in school. Yeah. And so it takes some effort as a parent to make sure like, hey, are we hitting that? Yeah. Are we hitting why that's important, um, like social interactions, um, thoughts about women for me personally, yeah. like how they treat women, how like that's different, how we are partners. So I hope that they take how they interact with me, but also how they see me and Josue interact. Yep. And 
use that as an example for when they do find a partner that they're really looking for someone to um, be equals with, to grow with, um, communicate with. So hopefully that's somewhere sticking. <laughs> I love that. It sounds to me like they're going to be really good at making others feel comfortable, just like in the getting to know process. So it's, it's crazy how much of a hard time so many people have with that. There's a lot of social anxiety around that, especially now. There's a lot going on, especially with boys yeah. and in schools. There's kind of a lack of focus on boys. And so I think it's really beautiful what you're doing and how you're parenting. You know, when I got divorced, I was trying to be both mom and dad and have these masculine and feminine characteristics and trying to be all of that for them. And I realized I couldn't. So when I was looking for a partner, I was looking for someone who could balance me both in like my temperament, in my knowledge, in my, even my career, like I'm in healthcare and he was in like finance and so that we'd be able as a couple to give our kids, um, a really good wide range of like examples to live by. Yep. So when I found Josue, I was like, oh my gosh, he's perfect. He's like <laughs> everything it. on the list that I wrote down and wanted. Yeah. Um, and he has, if there's anything that has changed my thinking and parenting, it's him. Mm. Uh, he went and got like a parenting class without me asking or anything. Wow. Um, he just enrolled in and he's like, well, how do you do this? And he like did the coursework and he'd tell me about it. I'd be like, okay, I'm not reading that, but let me know what you <laughs> summarize it up for me. <laughs> he met you as a woman with three children. Mm-hmm. It's incredibly beautiful. Yeah. And for um, a man who's never had children, never been married, it was like a lot to take on. And I thought, there's no way, there's no way he's going to want to take on all of this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it just, he still continues to surprise me, like how loving he is, how supportive Um, And the things that he does for my children, for our now children, um, and how he makes me such a better parent. Like he calms me in a way that makes me better for them. Mm. And even if he's gone for a few days, I change. I become more stressful, more like um, (laughs) high-strung about stuff. So having like a really good partner to raise children for me was like super important. What are qualities about him that support you in feeling calm and stress, less stressed. So he doesn't yell and he doesn't like to. Mm. Um, My family, however, we grew up kind of yelling just to say, hey, where's the remote? Like we're yelling at each other across the house. And so for me, the loudness was normal. Yeah. And then like certain characteristics in my family were different than I guess in his. Yeah. So he just brings this amazing calmness. And he just loves and supports me so much. And he knows that if I'm happy and love, that it transfers to um, the children. So he's super supportive. And then he even goes to the kids and is like, hey, mom's having a rough day. <laughs> yeah. Can just be on the lookout. And so he helps protect them too. <laughs> yeah. And he's also my uh, something for me. You know, when people are married and they have children, Like even a vacation is not a vacation because you're always like in that family thing. And then you start raising kids from being very small. So you're always parenting. You never really get a break. Yep. Um, But even now as I'm parenting, I feel like my time with Josue when we're sitting on the patio just talking is like a break. Um, And maybe that comes with the kids being a little older, more independent. So he is something for me as well as something for them. It's 
really beautiful. So when it comes to something for you, let's just dive in there. I think let's shift over to the kind of relationship element of conditionality versus unconditionality. So what in your relationship have you guys kind of like defined, understood together that are clear conditions for you to continue to choose each other each day? I think, again, this is a lesson that I learned from my divorce. Yeah. Um, I always say that, like, we're only seven days away from falling apart um, because it doesn't take much time for maybe one person to not want to try anymore, not care anymore. Yep. So we have a, I think maybe me more than him, I have a very sensitive thermometer. Yes. On, like, when we're not connecting. Yes. And I don't let too much time go by. Um, so we address it or fix it or have conversations about it. Because if I know personally, I know me, if I let too much time go by, it's, it doesn't take long to be like, I don't care. Um, and if I start getting there, I know we're in trouble. And if I make a decision on something, like I don't care, don't want to try, it's kind of hard to Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. So yeah, that is like one um, thing that I think we've learned to do together. Yep. So we make sure that we verbalize what we need when we need it. Yep. And we don't let more than like two days go by without something feeling off and addressing it. Yeah. You know, there's a study that was done. It's one of the most famous relationship studies. But these two psychologists, they kind of sat in a room where it was like glass and they were looking in and they would have couples come in. And based on just their body language, they could tell which one of the big four things that they had wrong in their relationship Mm -hmm. without even speaking. And the top one out of the four is always resentment. And there are people that live with resentment for years. And so these people were just like, look at, look at a couple after three seconds, they could tell these two people are resenting each other. They're not connected. And it's fascinating to hear you talk about that because that's, that's, that's true. And the seven day thing is really great. I think it's fantastic. Probably an exaggeration, but I really don't think it is. (laughs) I don't think so. Knowing you, I don't think so. I think it just doesn't take too much. And then it's just, the right person at the wrong time coming in to distract you. Yeah. Um, so I, and I think that's, you know, how cheating and temptation and yeah. all these things come yeah. along that make it so easy, so attractive. Yeah. Um, because like, we're just having a bad day. Absolutely. I'm misunderstood. I'm not feeling seen. I'm not feeling all of that. And so suddenly it's like, well, your little child gets big and you're yeah. suddenly just um, not connected. I'm thinking about relationships so much, clearly. It's interesting for me to, to know that, you know, 100 years ago, even 50 years ago, people got married. There were clear purposes for it. They like, whether it was financial or they knew they were going to build a home, they knew the roles of each person. They had like very clear guidelines. And I think after World War II, things changed. Women went into the workplace, especially in this country. Things have shifted and we're kind of in a big reckoning, like what's next? And I think within the last couple decades, there's a lot of, oh, I love you or I feel this or I feel like we, you know, there's a lot of feelings based relationship beginnings, you know, and I think feelings come and go. (laughs) So people haven't set up like foundational pillars within Mm -hmm. their relationships. And so they wonder why they're falling down. And so it sounds to me like there are elements to that that you guys have, whether maybe it's a weekly check-in or like, what is it that you all have that are foundational pillars? All those things you mentioned before that people had in the past, we both 
talked about and made sure we had as well. Cool. So like over time, hopefully you can continue falling in love with each other over and over again. Yeah. But let's say someone didn't. Yeah. I mean, financially, can I take care of my my family on my own? Yes, probably. Sure. Their child support, their dad, that will help. Now, is it better with two people? Absolutely. You know, it's kind of like having a roommate. You can both pay <laughs> for stuff. Yeah. Um, it's like having two incomes instead of one. And so that was definitely something that I was thinking about as a single mom. Now, am I willing to sacrifice like feelings of love and support and um, even dancing yeah. for someone with money? No, I wasn't. So I like had this list that I made sure that Hosway qualified for. And, and it's been just one of the best decisions I ever made. Yeah. Um, so those pillars are still there. Being physically attracted to your partner, also very important yeah. over time. Yeah. Um, being able to talk and communicate and just having someone like with a little bit of leeway who's willing to change there's some people who just don't want to change and don't understand that that's a possibility for them Mm -hmm. so then I would know like that's probably not because I'm always willing to change totally or someone totally if within reason sure if it Um, doesn't deny yourself mm -hmm. right and I'm constantly get, gaining more information over time. Yeah. So the same person like I was last week yeah. is probably very different yeah, today. Yeah, I love that. I heard about monkeypox. I don't know. Like there's like all these different things <laughs> totally. that you hear that you're constantly changing who you are. Totally. And I and me and Josue were both like that. We're yeah. both open to new information, open yeah. to be convinced otherwise. And so that was like an, even like one of the important pillars for me, um, for both of us, that we could both be... Um, ourselves, mm-hmm. not force change on each other, but mm-hmm. open to hearing each other and willing to change for them if that's what, mm-hmm. you know, our family needed. So how do you know when someone's in like unconditional commitment, like that whole like, well, we committed, so we're doing this versus conditional choice? I think people will show you that they're doing something, but they're not doing it happily. I see. They're yeah. not doing it willingly. Yeah. It's like, I hate that. <laughs> yeah. When someone's like, I'm going to do this, but you know, I don't want to. That's resentment. Because, exactly. And I'm resenting you the whole time. Yeah. And then it just gets worse over time. Totally. And sometimes you can grow up and resent or you can parent and resent your children because you didn't get to live out your dreams. Uh, and then all of a sudden your relationship with them, they are these little things that just want to love you. Of course. And you love them, but you resent them because like you didn't get to travel or you didn't get to fall in love with somebody else you know and right that's so hard um to put on anyone anyone because that was your choice not to go wow that's a very it's just real talk i just appreciate your real talk it's it's so wonderful my kids don't get me wrong yeah um but i've just found that i'm better for them and to them when i take care of what's important to me. Yeah. But I don't just go and do like whatever, whenever. Of course. Um, I selectively choose the things that really fill my cup, you know, yeah. like the things we do with the dance community and yeah. Zouk and just how I fall in love with it. Yeah. It's my creative outlet. Yeah. Um, and they respect that. Yeah. They know it. They see us practicing yeah. at home. You know, I even practice with them trying to. Totally. And I think they appreciate it. I hope when they become adults that they will do the same. They'll take something creative or whatever it is that they love and continue it 
for themselves, like a little yeah, something for yourself. I think that's so beautiful. Yeah, I can see that because when you see your parents not doing anything that they love, you feel like you don't have the permission to do anything that you love because when you're five, six, seven, your parents are your world. And it takes a lot of work to just unravel that and realize, you know, your parents are just human parents. They're human people. They're not your world anymore. Your world is huge. You can do anything. So what would you say to single people as they're thinking about this idea of conditional versus unconditional and how they can really just take from this conversation a way to shift? Well, having children is such a huge responsibility. Yeah. And with things that are going on in the world, a lot of, I think my single friends are like, well, why would I want to bring someone into this world? I think on that end is even if it's not your children, your child, your biological child, children are children and they are going to eventually take over and hopefully try to fix the things that we could not. If there's a desire in you to reproduce and have children, it's because you're meant to bring someone into this world, yeah. that's going to make a difference. Oh. And they're going to need your guidance. I mean, this can go either way. You know, you can raise, if the parent has like certain views, whatever they are, they could be dangerous for the world and they can also be really good for the world. Yeah. So taking that out of it, it's like you have so much responsibility as a parent to raise this individual um, who is going to be in your care and that you that's just... You can really form into something beautiful. Yeah. Uh, And if you don't, like, it just adds to the problems Mm. into the world. Yeah. Like, if we nurture something, allow them to grow, just kind of guide them instead of forcing them into areas. Yeah. Yeah. um, Then they'll become who they're meant to be. And I believe that all of us are meant to be something, someone that's going to move us all toward hopefully good things. Mm. Um, But if you hold them back or force them down a path that you wish you went on, um, then we're turning them into something else. Oof. Yeah. Great. So um, I just, if you have the desire, great. If you don't, don't. (laughs) Yeah, totally. (laughs) Totally. So you don't. (laughs) I think that's beautiful. So what would be like the top three values that would be important for you to instill in your children? Seems simple enough, but like self, self self-love. Yeah. Is so important yeah um and if you're feeling that you don't love yourself change yeah so like with the goal of loving yourself be always open to change yeah being open to receiving different messages from everywhere yeah and and choosing the person that you become yeah and maybe the third is connecting with people finding a partner i think we're like COVID showed us what it was like to be alone sometimes, but like having people and having a team, I always think is just magical. If we yeah. can make it all work, if we can all work together as a family, as friends, as a community, community is raising children, you know, like I can't teach them every lesson. So like exposing totally. yourself and to others, to different people, um, looking for lessons in every single moment of your life. Um, I think those are some things that I try to live by that hopefully um, that they will too. <laughs> I love that. It's so beautiful. I just love the way you speak. It's so clear. No. It's so, <laughs> to, you know, on point. And just, I don't know if I could take another, like, I don't know, piece of wisdom out of this. Thank you for the chat. Oh yeah. I think it's beautiful. Me. I love talking to you. And I love just... talking to you too. And I think it's a special perspective that I think 
everyone needs to hear and especially women need to hear because women especially have been taught to self-sacrifice for love. <laughs> for our children, for our partners, yeah. for our families. But I see just amazing strong women coming out of that, yeah. breaking away from that. And I love it. And yeah. encouraging each other, supporting one another. Yeah. Um, and even like our, our men, you yeah. know, like encouraging them to do what feels right for them, not yeah. falling into that, those masculine roles that they think they have to live by. Um, and I see my kids going through that. And I'm like, you don't have to. Totally. You can just, you can cry and they get upset for, they think when they cry at a movie, it's my fault. Oh my God. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> but I, I love that they can, um, you know, I just want them to be who they're meant to be, not who they think in their head society wants them to be. Totally. I think that's just it. Most of the time, men that are unhappily sacrificing, it's because they haven't figured themselves out. Mm-hmm. There's something noble in sacrificing a night out to build your business. That's not what we're talking about. Th- those kinds of sacrifices are powerful and beautiful. But I would almost not call them sacrifices. I would just call them self-discipline. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just self-discipline. Totally, which is very different. Very different. Mm-hmm. And so... Discipline is great to achieve goals that you want to achieve. But I think a lot of men are trying to achieve things that aren't even theirs. Well, I think they're going on this. I have to provide for myself and my family. And then they have these goals that they're reaching for. Yeah. But they're not even connecting with these or they're suppressing these other Mm. desires to just be like calm to take care of themselves um to just listen to music or be creative um these other things that people may call even feminine totally um because they think that there's just this path for them that's right here and sometimes that comes from parents just saying you have to be here you have to sit here the man of the family you have to provide so it's so much stress I know a lot of men that had heard the, especially if their parents, they're from parents of divorce that have heard the, well, you're the man of the house now. And I think provision in the masculine is beautiful. I think it's so beautiful the way the masculine wants to provide. And I think they should, but provision without Mm self-identity, that's when it's resentment. That's when it's just robotic. It's just like, who are you? Who are you? It's just money. It's just money. It's just accolades. It's who are you? And so that's something that men really get to jump into and really work through. And with our support and the way that you're working on all of that with your boys at such a young age, I think is beautiful. So thank you thank for, you for that. Thank you for work. this beautiful conversation. Of course. And- Cheers. I hope you've enjoyed this. And until next time.